0: Well, hello there and welcome back to Seed Stories. We are your hosts, Zeke Greenside and Tom Klinkhammer.
1: On this program, we'll showcase a different seed variety through stories, seed saving techniques, history, and providing unique interviews with passionate seed savers from across the world.
0: And without further ado, do, this week's seed is... Orange Corn. Orange corn grows in two regions that we know of, in Northeastern North America, and in Argentina and South America. One of the varieties originally grown by Northeastern Native American tribes is called autophilae, which is an eight-rowed flint corn. Autophilae traveled from Italy and then back again. Its exceptional creamy taste, high carotenoid and protein content, made it a prized polenta corn. Now we will be hearing from two plant breeders, Walter Goldstein and Frank Kutka both of whom played a huge inspiration to me on my journey with corn breeding. I helped evaluate protein, carotenoid content, and yield for orange corn varieties donated by both Walter and Frank for my master's research project at Iowa State, also with Paul Scott. I'll have my data posted on the North Circle Seeds website in case you're interested in learning on how these varieties perform. The varieties that perform best that were open-pollinated, open-source, and high in yield and carotenoid, I blended together, producing the orange corn blend that we are offering through North Circle Seeds. Now, this interview with Walter was from a few years ago, talking about orange corn at the Northern Plains Sustainable Ag Society. So what uh, varieties are you working with today or recently? Well,
2: uh, a lot of our corn, uh, we, we breed for very high carotene corn, so it's very orange. Mm-hmm. And we have bred a lot with corn uh, from Argentina, mm-hmm. from the native corn from Argentina and Uruguay, and also from the tropics, that has that very orange characteristic, and breeding that with the, the uh, corn belt corn in order to get the type of corn that really is very, very rich in carotene. Mm. And we, we like that because when chickens eat that, they put that into the yolk. The yolk turns an ex- a very, very orange color Mm-hmm. and that's really good for our health it's really good for the health of chickens um, they do better when they have a lot of carotene in their diet mm-hmm. and then when we eat those eggs it's really good for our health and so that's that's the one kind of corn that we've been working on quite a bit and we just systematically with a lot of our corn always selecting it for the oranger or seed the brighter yellower or brighter orange seed mm
0: and when testing it that proves that the brighter orange is more, is more
2: carotene more mm. carotenoids and we did find already a decade ago or more that by doing this kind of visual selection we could double the carotene content in the corn crop wow. and we've become my family has become real big egg snobs because we feed this mm-hmm. corn to our chickens and yeah. also the local f- local farmers around us are feeding it to their chickens and it turns the, the yolks very orange, and mm-hmm. people like that the when they see that. The flavor must be. The flavor is very good. I believe also it affects all the uh, it affects the integrity of the egg, mm. because we're seeing eggs that when you try to fry them, they are more they don't just run out. They're they're much more have much more integrity to their tissues. And we see that also when we when we mm-hmm. um, beat the eggs that they hold to, they hold the tissue integrity is very high, mm-hmm. and. Um, also, when you fry it, that the, the white stays tighter together. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's things that happen with the very quality of the egg, and of the flavor, of course, also. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that carotene is really important to have in the human diet, and particularly for eye health. If we don't have enough, at, at the back of our eye, we have a little orange spot where there's all these little cones and rods. And we accumulate that, that pigment, and we need it there, and it's the same pigment that's in, in the yellow corn. Wow. And, and so we need to have a diet that has this yellow and eating eggs is the best way to get it into the human bloodstream it's much better than eating carrots. Mm. The egg has um, cholesterol in it and that seems to help carotene to be digested. So that's one aspect of the nutritional value but we've also been selecting with native corn, it tasted so good and I do believe that taste is a factor in nutritional value yeah. that if if it tastes good and there's substances in it that really taste good that that's going to help the entire digestive system and help help regulate and and, and be important and when we uh, when I first started I started working with corn belt dent the normal corns mm-hmm. but I was very interested in the native corns because there was such a range of fantastic tastes mm. And so, for example, I would, I would have corn from the Hopi uh, which I worked with uh, quite a bit um, that had tastes that were uh, really on a different level than you could find in corn. It was almost some, sometimes fruity tastes and uh, aromatic tastes. Um, normally corn has a very warm, deep corn taste. To it if it's a good corn variety. Now, a lot of that has been lost, but some of these old corns, they really had the taste, and that's what I wanted to focus on. The problem was my teeth started wearing out, chewing all these kernels out in the field. Yeah. So I had to, we, we, did, we did go to making little corn cakes and, and cutting them up into 14 pieces, and then we would, uh, we had um, groups of people who would taste and, and, and we'd make little, these little cakes, and everybody would evaluate what was the best. And what it turned out was that the corn that had been crossed with native corn had the best taste,
0: mm.
2: or, or dire- directly developed from native corn had the best taste. And the closer that we seemed to be getting to the normal corn belt dent, the poorer the taste. Mm-hmm. And that was at least what seemed to be the, the trend with the tastes. Um, then uh, we were looking for protein quality. And in my presentation at the conference, the MPSAS conference today, I showed data that we gathered on native corn in terms of its protein content and oil content relative to normal corn. And for protein and essential amino acids, lysine and and Mm -hmm. methionine, there was much higher levels in the native corn. So there was practically double the protein and methionine content in the native Mm -hmm. corn as there was in normal corn normal corn belt-dent corn, hybrid corn. Mm-hmm. So if, if hybrid corn had 7.5% protein, these native corns, some of them were up with 14%, 15% protein. And, 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 and similar amount increase in, in methionine, about double the amount of methionine. Mm-hmm. That's very important for the human diet. So native people were actually eating very nutrient-dense corn. And now, of course, we're, we're very interested in yield. And yes... Uh, the corn that we have these days yields two times more than than native corn, but in terms of nutrient content it's
0: so it 's a half
2: so quantity it's,
0: over quality it 's
2: quantity over quality
0: right
2: now, but. so our our objective is to try to combine quality and quantity hmm. to try to get something of both now, to what extent we can achieve that. Remains to be seen, but we seem to be doing some of that. We're not up as high as in protein as the native corns, mm-hmm. but we're at ten percent. Whereas, if normal corns at seven and a half, and these old corns were at fourteen, we're we're so, or twelve or fourteen. We're we're somewhere in between, mm-hmm. but their yields are, are getting competitive. Now we have um, we have two types of, of ways of working. We work with open pollinated corn, and we work with farmers on that. And then we also try to develop hybrids because most farmers want to grow those hybrids because of the yield. And they're not prepared to be involved in raising their own seed. They're not interested in that, but they want to grow something nice, something that's good. And we want to be able to give them hybrids that produce good yields and also the great quality because we want people to be eating good stuff.
0: That was just Dr. Walter Goldstein from the Mandamin Institute, He started this nonprofit with his friends to work for healthy, productive farming and healthy food. And now we'll be speaking with corn breeder Frank Kuka, who works with the College of Menominee Nation for Sustainable Agriculture. What is your experience with orange corn and where do you find it in the world? Because it's not grown up here, right?
1: Not too much up here at this point. A few people are dabbling with it, but not much. Um, There was one inbred from the corn belt of the United States that was very orangey, but no one made a big deal about it. Um, But that was Ohio 43 and its offspring. Many of them are pretty orange compared to most corn. Other than that, the most orange corn you'll find, it comes from uh, South America especially the Catatos and the Colorados and some of the other uh, racial types from Argentina, Uruguay, and uh, Chile. And some of them are so orange, they, you know, make almost a carrot blush for being pale. They're very, very orange. They have uh, not always a lot of provitamin A, but some of them do have... um, you know, beta carotenes, way more than usual corn, but they certainly very high in zeaxanthins and luteins and the other uh, vitamin A relatives. So lots of carotenoids. And things that eat it turn yellow. So you get yellow eggs, you get all of these uh, things floating through your body. They have lots of antioxidant and other nutritional qualities. And some of them do turn into vitamin A in, in animals, and so they're, they're good for you that way. Um, I don't know why they like the orange so much down there that's selected so hard for orange. And I'm not exactly sure if there's any special way that they cook them down there. I'd really love to learn more. But I know where they're from. I saw some books about this years ago. In fact, there's a color plate in a USDA publication that had these corns from Argentina just so, so dark. Mm. That you know, when people started doing genetic engineering to make corn have more vitamin A, I thought, well, that's really hilarious because we already know where it's found. <laughs> but it was from there. Does corn from uh, most of Argentina or Chile grow in uh, the USA? Not so well because most of those latitudes are, you know, like twenty-eight to thirty-three degrees south, and twenty-eight to thirty-three degrees north barely hits the USA. So they're kind of late maturing for here. Mm. Um, there are a couple of earlier ones down there floating around, but you've got to hunt. It is really fun to play with. Um, grow it out, and each time you, you pick through the ears and you pick off the most orange kernels from the ears that were the most matured, and you pull those all together and plant them out again and mm-hmm. do the same thing. And uh, the population I have still throws yellow, but uh, a lot of the kernels are really hard and really, mm. really orange.
0: So are they almost bordering on this flinty?
1: Oh, they're very flinty. Mm-hmm. They make some of our flints seem soft. Wow. They're really come. Did you into, expect that? Well, when you see their corn, you can see why it would go that way. It's almost like orange crystal. Mm. It's the most amazing looking stuff. So that's what mine looks like. I think that's what Walters looked like, except he started crossing it into soft-kerneled populations to make it more digestible. At this point now, I like the flinty ones because I like to make um, cornbreads and polentas. And I like really flinty, gritty corn to do that. So I'm I'm sticking with those for now. But anything I grow, of course, you could change to flower corn down the line, whatever. But yeah, it's been fun.
0: Cool. So when you first started, when you brought it up from Argentina, um, did you stagger the planting?
1: Oh, excellent question. Absolutely. In fact, I did even more than that. Because I have planted the stuff from Argentina, and it will make flowers just before it's time to freeze. Hmm. The plants get quite tall and quite late, and so this is what I did. I planted the seeds into tree nursery flats that have cells that are about an inch to an inch and a half in diameter, and were about four to six inches deep. I plant one seed in each of those babies, in uh, you know some peaty pot mix and I let those grow and at somewhere around three to four weeks, no longer than four weeks, they are just really getting too big to be in those flats anymore. I transplant those out. They transplant really easily Mm -hmm. out of those. Just stab a hole in the ground, put this nice compact deep rooting system in there, close it up. You got to water them carefully for the first week or so because they've got a lot of green and a very little root mass. Mm -hmm. But after that uh, they start kicking out more roots and they take off really really well and you just yourself an extra month
0: of Mm -hmm. growing
1: season that's huge for me so i do that and then i also stagger
0: just to make sure to make
1: sure because even doing that my um argentinian corns would probably be flowering you know right around the middle of august Mm -hmm. which is about as late as it could possibly go and get ears you know it's kind of borderline stupid by that point but but it's made it work for me and and this kind of a trick (laughs) is not that hard uh, and anybody can do those. Yep. So there's a lot of these neat corns you can work with.
0: Well, that'll do it for this episode. We're your hosts, Zeke Greenside and Tom
1: Clankhammer. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember, folks,
0: it all starts with a seed.